All right. Welcome to Unapologetically Male, where we are talking about uh, African-Americans' perspective of surviving society stigmas, standards, and system. First, want to give a shout out to my co-host, EJ Stewart, um, Boss Lady, Jay Pope, uh, Jennifer Pope, Jay Pope Connections. Um, and this is just a podcast uh, interview series, just highlighting success stories of African-American men who've been able to kind of um, be successful in their area of expertise. Uh, we had, and our guest today uh, is Brother Lawrence Smith. Brother Lawrence Smith, uh, he, and I'm gonna let him talk a little bit about himself. But once again, we want to thank you for uh, for consenting to do this interview um, and just kind of taking time out of your schedule because I know this is a busy time for you um, and, and your family and just kind of in general. So we just want to say thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Now, if you could just kind of give us a little bit background of your, um, you know, school education, family, what it is, what it is that you do and all the different things that you got going on right now. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. You know, I, I, it was an honor when you reached out to me and I always want to, you know, do anything I can do to, to, to talk, to help young men and, and anyone, you know, in general. So my name is Lawrence Smith and, I'm involved in a few things. First of all, I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the head football coach at Dunbar. You know, I've been the head football coach uh, at Dunbar since 2007. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm a 1992 Dunbar graduate. You know, I bleed maroon and gold. Mm. Um, I'm also a 20 year veteran of the Baltimore City School Police Force. I'm a detective in criminal investigations. Uh, things about me: I'm, I'm married. You know, I have uh, three kids. My daughter's a high school teacher. My son's in culinary art school, and you know I have a, a five-year-old daughter, and my wife is a beautiful and lovely uh, doc, Dr. Christina Kyle Smith. She's a superintendent in, of, of some schools in Washington D.C. So you know we have a lot of things going on. A little about myself, uh, like I said, with the things I do, I just have a passion to help young men. That's that's been my thing, uh, you know. I grew up single mom, didn't meet my dad till I was 16 years old, uh, you know, and and things like that. And I just didn't want to, my mom instilled in me not to be a statistic. You know, I could tell you, you know, I could tell you things when when I was a, a school-based officer at Dunbar and, and, and when I was there and I always heard, you know, the stigma of, of, of young men and, and, and young women and things like that, you know, for, you know, if a, if a girl get uh, pregnant mm -hmm. as a teenager, you know, you would hear certain things about like their life is over and, and, and you know, and their life is not over. Their life is not over. And my thing is, I, I, I always tell my guys on both ways that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a police officer and I'm a football coach. I can help you use football to get to college mm -hmm. to keep you out of the juvenile justice system. That's my job. You know, it's too many people have that, you know, that like as, as you see that, that stigma. It's too many people have that, you know, put on them that they can't survive. I hate, I hate that when you tell young men, black men, they can't survive because they have a single mother. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we sit around. My mom was, I buried my mom two years ago. My mom was a, a strong, strong woman. You know, I was way bigger than my mom, but my mom didn't play. My mom always told me, before you go to jail, I will get rid of you myself. You know, I will take you away from here. And to the point of 
I never wanted to hurt my mom. I can tell you, you know, like you said, when I was 13 years old, we were mm -hmm. riding bikes. And I'll never forget, we rode by the back of an elementary school. And the window was open, and we went in to get some water. Lo and behold, at that age, we didn't know that that was breaking and entering. Mm -hmm. We got arrested. And I'll never forget, they had sent two wagons, one for us and one for our bikes, right? If you remember, I don't know how old you are. You remember the old paddy wagons that was made like an ice cream truck with the window in the back. Uh -huh. I'll never forget, we was driving to the police station. And when we got, when we got there or whatever, I looked out the back and I saw the look on my mother's face. Mm. And I just saw, and I just said to myself, I would never get in trouble ever again. And I was 13 years old. And I'm telling you, and and and, and guys, I tell my football players, you know, I got a kid right now, a defensive end. Me and him was together the other day in my truck. And his mom died when he was like two. His father passed a few years ago. Wow. From uh, something with his heart. He's being raised by his grandma down by Latrobe Projects. And I said to him, I said, man, you got to make it. You got to make it. You cannot let anything say you can't make it. You cannot be, you know, you might, a lot of, one time with a lot of these kids, the way they hang with guys and girls, they hang with folk that if they don't do right, they fine. They'll go back home and live with their parents and their parents take care of them. But you got guys who don't have that. You know, right. you got guys who, if you don't make it, you in trouble. Mm -hmm. You don't have that luxury of your parents being able to take care of you the rest of your life. And, you know, those are the things that guys got to understand, man. You got to be, my son right now, my son's 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And he's been texting me all day because he wants to go to Ocean City this weekend with his friends. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend. They want to go hang out. So I'm trying to explain to him that I'm really not feeling it. I'm really not feeling it. I'm not feeling it because I know all the trouble that has been down in Ocean City over the last few years and what goes on. And But, you know, he doesn't understand it. He feels dad just don't want to loosen the reins up. And I'm trying to tell him, man, you can't do that type of stuff these days because when you do that type of stuff these days, it, it can end up bad. And the decision that can be made that will basically, you know, destroy your life. Right. And that's what it is. But, you know, I can go on about that for days. So just shoot whatever, you know, you need to ask me. I got you. Uh, I want to go back to the, uh, you said you didn't meet your dad till you were 16. Mm -hmm. um, like how how has that played a part in um, you becoming a father um, and a husband and and those different arenas, you know, on a personal level? Because, you know, not having not meet your dad till 16 can be very um, difficult. Um, just kind of learning different things about life. So how, how were you able to manage and what did that teach you or show you? It, well, I can tell you one thing that I always say, it teaches you that you want to be better. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it teaches you want to be better. One thing about guys in my era, and I'm 46 years old, a lot of guys in my era grew up with, in, you know, single family homes. Right. The one thing about guys in my era is if they're not in their child life, I, I can tell you that more likely it wasn't them. 
my earth, my yeah. God, because it happened to them and they don't want it to happen to their kid because they know what it feels like. So when, when you hear that, you always hear folks say different things. And I say to folk like, it made me better. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there for everything. My daughter played soft. My oldest daughter played softball since she was three. Mm -hmm. My son played baseball since he was five. I always wanted to be there with them with everything they did. Mm -hmm. Everything. It was nothing that they wanted to do, they would do that I didn't want to be there. Family vacations, summer vacations. I want my son to see. You know, you can go back and pick any picture of me coaching on the sideline. You will see my son on the sideline learning to be up under his father. And the thing about females is guys don't know when they got daughters. You're taught that you are the first male that your daughter is going to have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. So you are setting the stage for your daughter, when she start dating and when she meet and find a husband, mm -hmm. so you are setting the stage because you are the first male that your daughter will have a relationship with. And, and those are the things that I wanted to break the, the, the cycle. I was no way that I was going to do that. I tell folk, like, I became really good friends with Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. And I remember Ray, people don't know, he's Ray didn't know his father. And we had this conversation. Mm -hmm. Ray Lewis' father was a great wrestler in the state of Florida. Ray was a great wrestler. The cycle was so messed up with him. He said his goal was to break all his father records to erase his name from the record books in the state of Florida. Wow. And that's the type of things, the impact that have on you when you don't have your father around. Mm. When when you were coming up, um, you know, without your father, did you, did you feel anger or any resentment towards him uh, growing up? Easy. I think the difference was with me was I hadn't had my father, but I had my grandfather. Mm. So I really did. My my granddaddy instilled so much into me how to be a husband, you know, how to do certain things, how to carry yourself, you know. So my granddad was there where a lot of people don't. So I really didn't have the time to focus on that because, gotcha. like I said, I live with my grandfather, my grandparents. So I had my granddaddy. My granddaddy, you got to think, he had his own trucking company. So, you know, he was working, things like that. You know, it, still, it instilled, you know, values in me of how a father is supposed to be. You got to think, my grandma and grandfather had 13 kids. So yeah. I saw, but, you know, that was a whole never era. Like right. my grandma, my grandma died, my grandmother died, never worked a day in her life. Wow. My grandmom died, didn't even have a driver's license. Wow. You know, that was that was that generation. You know, mm -hmm. my granddad worked. Like you didn't sit at the table and eat until my granddad sat down and ate. <laughs> my granddad didn't clean dishes. 
He used to get up, kiss, say good dinner, go sit down and watch TV. He wasn't picking, you know, he get up, go to work, she hand him the bag, go out the door. Right. That's how, you know, that's how I was raised to see my granddad. My granddad, like I said, my if my granddad, my if dinner was ready and my grandfather was upstairs, no one sat at the table until he came down, whenever he decided to come. <laughs> when he decided to come down, that's when dinner starts. Wow. So that's what I had growing up. Even though I didn't have my father, I had my granddad and my grand, you know, the, the, the basic showed me how it's supposed to be done. Now, we know in this day and age, you ain't, you ain't doing that. We know them days is over. <laughs> them days are long gone. <laughs> them days are long gone. But those that's, are the, that's way, a whole that's the story. way I was raised and doing that time. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh that's definitely old school. Uh yeah. <laughs> so those, so those are the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so with with that being stated, like you 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 have you like you you got your hats in many, many different areas, especially mm-hmm. with the you know being a school um officer, a detective and a coach. Like what uh has there been anything that that you kind of faced throughout your time to kind of that kind of maybe left a bad taste in your mouth? Um, but you still pursue through it, like you still persevere through it um, to kind of reach where you are now. Oh yeah, I mean one thing about it, and I, and, 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 and 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 number one thing that you got to face is with us when you're talking about males, and then you're talking about black males, you got to face jealousy, mm. and people want to pull you down. You know, you always hear about the crabs in the burrow. You know, yep. I, you know, and then and you know, being a dumbbell. That's a whole mm-hmm. other level. When I became the head football coach at Dunbar, I'll never forget. Bob Way is my one of my biggest mentors. Can't reinvent the wheel. You know, a lot of people try to reinvent the wheel, and that's where they get in trouble at. Mr. Wade sat me down and he told me something. He said, Let me tell you something. The two jobs in Baltimore City are the most scrutinized. Is the mayor. <laughs> and the coach of Dumbo. Wow. <laughs> wow. All facts. All facts. Wow. <laughs> you know, and like I tell folks, I could be sitting here right now, straight up. The mayor called my phone. Mm-hmm. I was in Mexico. Jack Young was the city council president. He calls my phone mm-hmm. and says, ask me something about the football field. And those are the things that happen. You got to deal with jealousy. Folks want to pull you down. Folks want to see you fail. Folks want to see you fail. Mm -hmm. And you got to stay on that straight line because, one, you got to stay in character because you got so many people watching you. One thing what coaches don't understand when I look at youth coaches now and I look at things, you're dealing with lives. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with lives. And Mr. Wade always told me you do not, one, you, you do not, Compromise your integrity because one, you get so many coaches that compromise their integrity and forget the big picture. Just think wins and losses is going to happen. Winning is going to happen. You're dealing with children's lives. Children's lives are a big thing. You are impacting their lives forever. Mm-hmm. It is so great when I look at Facebook and I get a text and I've been to store and I'm somewhere and I see someone I coached. And I see that they got a wife, a kid. You know, they're doing good. Everybody's not on a GoPro. 
everybody's not going to be this big, you know, college football star after high school. Mm-hmm. And I tell folks, tell my guys, for one, you use football for one thing in high school. It's for one thing. It's to pay for college. Mm-hmm. It's to pay for college. So when you're doing that, you use football for a co- free college education. You get that education, you get a job, you get a wife, whatever you want, get some kids, get a family, be an outstanding citizen, get a career, and live your life. That's all it's about. And that's what I tell my guys. And also, I tell most of them, I just hope they don't come back to Baltimore because there's nothing here for you right now. And most of them, when they leave here, they don't come back. They're gone. And I love when I connect with them on social media and they're doing so well. And that's the biggest thing. To answer your question is back. You just got to deal with jealousy, but you got to keep you got to keep it moving because you deal with kids' lives. I want to commend you because, um, you know, uh, being a, a high school football player and a little bit of college, you know, myself, my biggest thing was always we didn't have a coach that looked like us in high school. Mm-hmm. At my school, we should have, um, you know, uh, a lot of politics in that, even though it was all black school district they didn't want our people coming back to help us so i think okay. you know you being from dunbar playing there going there and going back i think is so important um so what and i have this question because i know what impact sports had on my life what do you say to those people that say you know uh we shouldn't be we shouldn't have our young black men focus so heavy on sports and you know, it, they they need to be focused on other things and, and 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 all of that. What do you say to those people, knowing the impact sports can have on the youth? And that's a great question because I go through it all the time when you deal with educators. Like I said, folks don't understand that how much sports brings to someone. It brings discipline. It brings discipline. For some of us, and when you're talking about the ones that look like us and kids that I deal with, it's the only way. It's the only way that they're going to make it. It's the only way. You know, no, I didn't make the rule. I didn't set the rule, but it's the rule. All right? You got to think. If you're God, being able to play football, being able to play basketball, being able to play baseball, to that level, that is God- given talent, right? Now I'm great to start throwing some stuff, and you know, I ain't great to start preaching, Wayne. My pastor told me favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. So when you're talking about a young man that can do this, and it's not, I don't, it's not our, our I'm a little older than y'all, but it's still that era. This is the difference. In your era and in, in my era, everybody couldn't go to school for football. Man, in 2021, you can basically step on a football field in high school and it's some place for you to go play football in college. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell my kids. I didn't say you can go to the University of Maryland. I didn't say everybody can go to Penn State. I said you can go to college. It might be some college you never heard about mm-hmm. in some little town in some state. But everybody can go right now. 
So you use that as you can do it. You get folks that are saying, you don't want kids to just think about, no, it's not about putting all the apples in one bird. But here's the thing. This, this is always tell us the folk. Always tell us the folk. My wife has a doctorate. My wife owes the federal government almost $200,000. Every year at the Mayor's Academy, the Basketball Academy, I teach a class called Doing the Right Thing. And I always give them a homework assignment. And the homework assignment, and you always tell a young man this, and you always tell when people say what you just said, EJ, all they got to say is athletes are the only people that leave college debt free. Get few to get through some academic scholarships. I tell them, I said, go back to school tomorrow and ask your teacher how much do she owe the federal government? Because if they got a free ride as a bachelor, more likely they pay for the masters. And I tell them, because you got to think, if you don't go to Merle, none of them, people don't understand. Those small schools that are predominantly white, they have major money. And if you can play and you're a minority, you leave there for free. You go for free. And that's what it is. I got a kid named Earl Chapman. I will never forget this. Earl was my quarterback, right? Earl had like a – he was a, he was a, a undersized quarterback. You know, naturally, like everybody else, he had the big D1 dreams. Son, you're too small. You're too short. Da-da-da. Earl had great grades. I'll never forget this. We sitting in my office, and here come the door a college recruiter from a college called Bridgewater College in Bridgewater, Virginia. I had never heard of this school in my life. I didn't even know where Bridgewater was. <laughs> the coach sat down and said, son, you can come play quarterback for me. He says, every year we are top three business school in the nation. He said it costs $85,000 a year to go to my school. You can go for free. Long story short, Earl went to Bridgewater, had a great career, graduated. Earl lives in South Carolina. He lives in South Carolina with his family, high school football coach, doing what he loved to do, making great money. And those are the stories where folk need to hear. And I tell you that, and, and the last part of this, I don't know, you, you, and, and this is what you tell folks. See, kids got to hear, like I coach Tavon, those are the stories that folk want to hear. Mm-hmm. Those are the stories that folks want to hear, the, the, the NFL stories. You know, those are the stories, those are great stories, but those are great stories. But those kids cannot relate, cannot hold their lives on that NFL story. Mm-hmm. They got to hear the other side because it's a good chance those are the stories that they're going to get. You know what I mean? They got to hear the other story. 
And I tell it was a guy, uh, y'all remember Ambrose Wooden? Yep. Uh, he went to Ambrose uh, Wooden played at Gilman. Went to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. All right. I knew Ambrose when Ambrose was in rec ball, right? Real quick. Let me tell you this real fast. Ambrose is the greatest person to come and talk to young folks that got that dream. Coming out of high school, Ambrose was the number one football player in the nation at Gilman. Ambrose signed with Notre Dame. When Ambrose signed with Notre Dame, they signed him as a defensive back, couldn't play quarterback. You got to think, this is the number one player in the nation. He goes to Notre Dame, has a horrible career. Horrible career. Always bring Ambrose back to talk, even though he wasn't one of my guys. I know his dad, know him, Rhett Ball. So you know what all the kids say. Coach, why are you bringing this guy back? He didn't do nothing in college. Who's this guy? Da, 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 right? When I introduced him, I said, y'all know what he do now? I said, Ambrose has a degree from the University of Notre Dame. He didn't pay it out to the NFL. I said, you know what Ambrose do? I said, I want y'all to Google his name. Ambrose is the vice president of Golden Sachs in the United Kingdom. He says to them, I make just as much money as an NFL football player without my body taking the abuse. And it shuts them all down. Wow. That's what they don't understand. That's the power of getting a degree, using football to pay for that degree. Everybody's not going to make it to the NFL. Small amount is going to make it. But they can't take that degree away from you because everybody can get that degree. And that's what it's about. Wow. That's that's definitely a, a good story. Uh, and I, I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you as far as like, you know, we everybody want to talk about a success story. And I'm glad you talked about like those who might not be as successful as an NFL player, but they they have succeeded in, you know, a career, uh, something that was meaningful, something that, you know, that helped them make more money. He probably make more money than most NFL players. Now, man, you got to think. I think then you you played with Selby, right? Yep. Selby was he was a freshman when I was a uh, senior. Okay. So people don't know. I always bring Selby back to tell. People don't know what Selby was doing. Selby people, you know, they just, what you doing? What you, what you do? Selby went to Morgan, had an okay career, got his degree. Selby was riding, uh, flying around the country on Air Force One with Barack Obama. Mm. You ever see, if you were his friend on social media, you would see Selby always posting pictures from around the country. Uh-huh. <laughs> you ever wonder how Selby got there so fast? Selby was riding, Selby riding around the country fly around the country with the president. Mm. See, they that's they, see they don't that's what you use. That's that's exactly back to what EJ said. That's what you use in that football and basketball for. Mm-hmm. Selby don't want for nothing. Selby would fly around flout Selby flies around the country with the president of the United States. That's what he does. That's what he does. And that's what it all go boils down to. Yeah, I'm sure he wanted to be an NFL football player, but it didn't go that way. But he mm-hmm. used football to get him what he needed to do. Talk about the, if you can, talk about the uh, the impact you see the game, uh, um, football, or just sports in general, 
the impact on on young men and their mental health as as myself i i played my entire life angry uh similar to kind of ray lewis um not in the sense of trying to break any records but just angry and resentful and so i used it on the field and and i noticed when i stopped being angry i was less competitive um but talk about what you've seen in your experience and the impact that sports it may have had on mental health for young men well that's 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 that is not you know that's not your fault but you were told you gotta think if you i'm pretty sure you started playing at a young age when you you know i started coaching pop one football and that's the way you teach it you know you teach it to be mean and aggressive and you gotta have this edge you know you gotta have a chip on your shoulder and those are that's how you're taught to play the game you know things like that and when you know when you don't play the game no more, sometimes you just, you know, you got to flip the switch and things like that. But the mental aspect that it takes to our young folks, I mean, it's, it's funny as you ask that. We had a fall sports meeting today, and I asked, when I asked my offensive line coach, I said, if you talk to such and such, he says, Coach, I called him, and he told me that uh, he got a lot on his mind. So I called him. I called his mom, and she was like, well, this is news to me. So I called him. I said, what is wrong with you? He said, I'm just dealing with a lot. I'm just dealing with a lot. I said, well, tomorrow you need to come down here so we can find out what's going on. And people always don't realize what these young boys deal with out here. You know, like, let me tell you this. We play in the middle of one of the uh, worst parts of Baltimore City. We'll be on the field practicing, and gunshots will ring out. And it don't even affect the players. They just keep on practicing. They're just so used to that. We'll be in the middle of practice, gunshots ring out. You know? They just do like this. They just used to it. And like that's trauma. That is trauma that you are so immune to hearing gunshots that it don't even affect you. I tell folk, Biff Folger was a longtime coach at Gilman, good friend of mine, and I always said to him, I said, you know the difference? I could leave Dunbar and go to Gilman tomorrow and be successful. You couldn't come to Dunbar tomorrow and be successful. I said, because you're used to dealing with everything. You're not used to dealing with everything I deal with. That's just that simple. I can tell you, I can't count on one hand how many bodies I didn't stood on top of that played for me, that mama called me and asked me to speak at that funeral. My star quarterback right now from last year, he wanted the streets. Mm-hmm. He wanted the streets. I talked to his mom earlier today. Did everything we could do for this young man. I asked this young man, did he want to move with me? He wanted the streets. Right now, he's sitting over Central Booking with a gun charge and a drug charge, being charged in the dealt. Mm. Some kids are going to want it. Some kids don't. Some folk just want the streets. And I keep telling them that the streets are undefeated. Streets are undefeated. 
And like I said, for a, a number of kids that we have rescued, some you just not going to do it as much as you try to do it. They going to want to test the waters and just see if they can for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the sad part, the down part of what I do, what a lot of coaches do. Because in my profession of 20 years of being in law enforcement, I know what it could do to a young man that's not trying to do the right thing. I'm pretty sure when you go over there to that city, to city jail and they shut that door behind you, he knew it wasn't a joke anymore. Right. He knew it wasn't a joke anymore. You know, young man had a player come home from college, standing on the corner with some buddies. Somebody came on the corner and blew his brains out. That's the real of it. And you try to tell these guys this stuff, but living in Baltimore City, what you want, you know, they deal with two different things. If you don't hang with them, you want your opponent. You scared. You hang with them, you got a chance of going to jail or getting killed. So they deal with a lot. And the only thing you can do is keep trying, trying, trying to help them to see the other side. Because a lot of them don't see the end of the rainbow. A lot of them don't see the other side of it. They don't see that this thing can happen. They don't see it. So we do as much as we can do as a staff. We'll rent a bus and put them in a, in a, in a, in a, in a on a bus and take them up to Penn State for a camp. Mm. They never seen outside of Baltimore. They never seen what a college campus looked like. So we go up to see the whiteout game, you know, the Penn State whiteout game. Go down to Merlin, you know, see a game. Go down to Bowie, take them up to Morgan. You know, we take them places to let them see, like, this This is reality. You know, this is, this doesn't, this doesn't have to be far-fetched. You could get this. So that's what we deal with with our guys to try to save them. But they're angry. And it's not even just about the football half the time. They're angry because of life. They're angry because of life. A lot of them feel that life owes them something. They feel it owes them something. And they don't want to do what they have to do in order to be successful sometimes. So all we can do is keep trying to put it in them to do the right thing. Yes, yeah, definitely rough. Um, just kind of have to manage that trauma from the kids. Um, and just kind of, you know, as for as many success stories you have, you can you probably can run down a list of all the ones that that weren't as successful as the oh, ones yeah. that the ones you had to stand over top of, you know, and say parting words to their families and different things exactly. like that. Exactly. Exactly. And I can tell you, like, even now the young guy, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, I've seen like we would get calls. This this is the police side of it. I would we would get calls of a a dead body in a school, our school playground early in the morning was killed that night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget responding to the school and seeing the dead bodies in there. So you try to get this stuff up. Before kids start coming to school, kids, elementary school kids walk by a dead body and don't even face them. And I'm thinking like, damn, if this is my daughter, my daughter would need counseling today. Mm-hmm. Like they would just they just walk by the body and don't even affect them. And that's deep. That is really deep. Absolutely. So I mean so how I mean, with all that trauma that you, you know, you get it on you get it on both sides, honestly, because you get it from the police side and you get it from 
the co-side. So how do you like what do you do to kind of help manage those those ideas and those like those things that you deal with on a day to day basis? It's just balance. I mean, all I do is keep telling them, like, I don't want to deal with you on the law enforcement side. Mm -hmm. So you got to do what you got to do on the athletic side. You got to do what you got to do in school. You know, it's not even about I just want them to succeed because they're good kids. I just want them to succeed. And, you know, the thing is, a lot of them have never seen a positive black man. Mm-hmm. You know, I had we went. I took a couple kids up to Rivals Camp last week, and they stayed at my house. I ain't nowhere near rich. Got a decent house, and one of my players said to me, "Coach, I swear I didn't know black people could live like this unless they were in the NFL or a rapper." And he was dead serious with that statement. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Son, you can live like this. You can get a house." This is not a mansion. You can get a house. You just got to be a successful citizen and do what you're supposed to do. And you can have this house. And they just need to know that. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. AJ, did you you have any other questions? No, man. Um, Definitely powerful, you know, message and just powerful position that you're in. And it's, it's so important that, you know, we, we praise brothers like yourself because you wear multiple hats and, and you're dealing with lives of tomorrow. You're dealing with our young men of tomorrow and the other, you know, children in the school that you uh, interact with, man. So definitely appreciate you and the work that you're doing and love to see it. Love to see and it. You guys, like I said, thank you guys for having me on, man. Like I said, it's stuff that needs, you know, out, we, it's going to take everyone. It's going to take mm-hmm. everyone to save you know, to save us, to save this generation, to save young black guys. It's going to take all of us. And, and you know, it's so easy to get caught up in that street. It's so easy to get caught up. It's so easy to get caught up in the hype and things like that. But like I tell them, and, and, and lastly, I could tell you this. I'll never forget this. I remember, and I talked about the pact that my granddaddy had on me. Mm-hmm. I remember... And like I said, my granddaddy, I mean, this might have been the early 80s. I had said something like, uh, man, I can't do that because of the white man. You know, white man don't want me to. Mm-hmm. And my granddaddy looked at me and said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, I can make that statement, but you can't. Mm-hmm. He said, you, you can do whatever you want to do. Ain't no white man stopping you from doing what you want to do. He said, see, I can make that statement. I was born in 1920. Mm. He said, you was born in 1974. You can't make that statement. <laughs> he said, you ain't earned a right to make that statement. And that's exactly what he told me. He said, don't you ever make that statement again. You you can go in any bathroom you want to go to. You can sit down and eat anywhere you want to sit down and eat. You can go to any college you want to go to. You can sit anywhere you want to sit on the bus. I'll never forget my granddaddy told me that. He said, I don't care who you're listening to or who told you that. He said, you better not ever make that statement again because I can make it. You can't. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff I try to tell my guys. Stop having people telling you you can't do stuff that you can do. Stop having people tell you you can't do stuff that you can do. And that's the problem for a lot of got They don't know. They don't know. They don't, they don't understand 
the potential they have to do anything that they want to do. And the thing is, like I told them, college ain't for everybody. College wasn't for my son. My son went to college for one semester, and it wasn't for him. He worked at a country club, and he loved, he wanted to be a chef. So the country club paid for him to go to be a culinary art school. And I tell my guys, I don't care what you do, long as you are doing something to be productive and to be able to earn a living. And that's what it is. College is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you need to understand what you want to do because in a blink of an eye, you can do the wrong thing and your whole life will be shattered that quick. Yeah. And that's what I tell them. Absolutely. Well, just want to thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule, just kind of consenting for this interview um, and so that we can just kind of get this message out here and just kind of share, you know, some of the things that you experience and, and just kind of things that you experience on a on a mm-hmm. year to year basis uh, as a coach and as a uh, police officer and just kind of like the different roles that you have uh, ha- that you have. Um, so thank you again. Um, I want to thank everybody out there who's joining us for Unapologetically Mail. Where we are talking about surviving society stigmas, standards, and systems. Once again, if you want to uh, stay in contact with us, follow us on um, our business page at J Pope and Connections. You can follow us there. You can follow me on my uh, Facebook, Dwayne Pate. You can follow Emilio, um, Emilio Stewart. Um, you can also follow my YouTube page at D Pate Jr. Um, to kind of get the, the interviews that we post um, on Mondays. So, once again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, special shout out to Jennifer Pope, J Pope um, and Associates, J Pope Connections on Facebook and Instagram. So once again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thank Thanks, you. Coach. Good luck, man. Thank you. Thank you coach. All right. Appreciate you. Coach, before you, you stop recording. <laughs>